You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you are bought at a price. Think about the tremendous price that God paid His only begotten Son, dying in our place upon the cross. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God has purchased us, and how wonderful it is to know that we are owned by God. Amen? How cool is that? We're one of God's possessions. Slavery is not a good thing. The idea of a person owning another person is appalling. So why use this language when describing our relationship with God? Why would anyone want to be a slave? As we'll be reminded by Pastor Mike in today's message, our relationship with God is fully voluntary. It's not something you're forced into. And God's approval of you isn't based off of your performance. He loves you regardless, and submitting to Him is the ultimate expression of gratitude for the freedom He's given you. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 as he begins his message, The Guarantee of Our Inheritance. Let's pick up where we left off last time. We're in Ephesians chapter 1. And the text that we're going to be treating this morning is found in simply verses 13 and 14. And the title of this morning's message is The Guarantee of Our Inheritance. Or also, I could have given this morning's message the title, How Do We Know That We Are a Child of God? So either of those titles would be appropriate as uh, relating to this particular text of Scripture. So let's go ahead and read it. Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 13 and 14. Now in him, that is in Christ, you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee or earnest or down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Okay, so let's back up a little bit. Here in our study of the book of Ephesians, we have been discovering how truly rich and blessed we are in Christ. We've been talking about all of the blessings, all of the resources, all of the gifts that God has made available uh, to us as his kids. And you know what? I, I hope that you've came to the same conclusion that I have, and I also mentioned in one of our previous Bible studies how encouraging it is to know that the Trinity 
together are working on our behalf to make our lives full, satisfied, blessed, victorious, and rich. For example, last time together, if you remember, we examined the blessings that come to us from God the Father. And uh, those blessings are enumerated in verses 4 through 6. Go back there quickly. Notice, uh, we've been chosen, we've been adopted, we've been accepted. And we broke all of those gifts down for you. And again, if you weren't here, just go to our website and, and you can listen to that message and bring you up to speed to catch up where uh, we left off. So last time together, we examined the blessings that come to us from God the Father, verses 4 through 6, how that we've been chosen, how that we've been adopted, how that we've been accepted, what that means, what that looks like. But then also last week, we examined the blessings that come to us from God the Son, which are recorded first in verses 7 through 12, how that we've been redeemed, how that we've been forgiven. All of these things come to us through God the Son, how that through Christ, uh, he has revealed God's will to us and also how that he has made us an inheritance. And remember also last time I, I had mentioned that, that there's a dual application to the idea of that he has made us an inheritance. Because Christ is our inheritance, and we, we talked about that and what that looked like, but also we are Christ's inheritance as well. I mean, think about it. We are the church. We are the bride of Christ. We talked about all of the implications of... Uh, concerning that truth uh, last time together. And so that's where we left off. But now we move into that area here in the scriptures where we are reminded of the blessings that come to us from God, the Holy Spirit. Remember the point. You know, it, it's so wonderful to know that the Trinity is working so hard on our behalf, on, on our behalf to make our lives full, to make our lives rich, to make our lives uh, blessed. And the Holy Spirit was working in the lives of the Ephesians, the members of that church. Let's examine that process. This is our first point, sealed by God. Sealed by God. And notice in verse 13, we are told there that we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now let me begin by first of all saying that this is a part of a process that has to do with our salvation. Notice here in this verse, in verse 13, we have the entire work of salvation listed. That whole process. Go back to it for a moment. We are told how a sinner becomes a saint. Let me break that down for you. First of all, notice what we are told there in verse 13, the implication. He hears the gospel. That's where it all begins. The word of truth. Uh, Paul puts it that way here in Ephesians. The word of truth, or the gospel. The good news, that Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again. And listen, gang, that is the heart and soul of the gospel. That's the same gospel message that was preached by the apostles during the first century. You know, like, for example, you go back to the book of Acts, when Peter, on the day of Pentecost, uh, you know, preached the gospel for the first time, where, where thousands of people came to know Christ uh, after the Holy Spirit had been poured out. If you break down that message, the first message that was preached under the anointing of God's Holy Spirit, it included those three points. What were those three points? That Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and on the third day rose again. God opens doors that we need to step through, seize those opportunities to be able to share our faith with other people. Always include these three points. 
Because, you know, the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Give it to them. But give it, try to give it to them in a relative kind of a, a way, an understandable kind of way. Break it down as if you were speaking to a little kid, you know? And, uh, but God will do the rest. That's all we need to do is, is just give them the gospel. And Paul delivered to these Gentiles God's good news. I mean, that was his primary concern. That's exactly what he was and also what we are commissioned to do. Like, for example, here's a cross-reference. In Mark's Gospel in chapter 16 and verse 15, we there are exhorted, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In other words, all of us collectively, not just the pastors or those who are identified as evangelists like Greg Laurie or Billy Graham, those types of ministries, we are all to be engaged in being a soul winner for Christ. All we need to do, as I've already mentioned, is deliver the word, and the Spirit does the rest. Basically, we're just the Aaron boys, right? But we got an awful lot of good information to work with, don't we? We have the entire Bible, and God's word never returns void. All you got to do is put it out there, and let God's Holy Spirit do the rest, right? And so, Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, Paul tells us, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation. Romans 1.16. So the Ephesians heard the gospel, discovered it that it was for them. Notice there in verse 13, go back to verse 13. Notice he makes reference to the fact, he says, your salvation, he personalizes it. How did that all happen? Through the preaching of the word of God. Then secondly, under the same heading, right, where, again, the idea here is we have the entire work of salvation listed for us, how a sinner becomes a saint. First of all, he hears the gospel. But then secondly, having heard the gospel, the Ephesians believed it. And it is this faith that brought to them salvation. Now, that's also the suggestion of verses 8 and 9 of chapter 1. We've talked about that in one of our previous uh, messages as well. Go back to verses 8 and 9 of chapter 1. Which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, as the gospel went forward. And then in verse 10, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. So what is he referring to there? He's, he's talking about the message of the gospel. You see that? So having heard the word, the gospel message, the Ephesians believed it, and it is this faith that brought them their salvation. They placed their faith in the message that was delivered unto them through the preaching of the gospel. Now this pattern, think about it, follows what Paul writes in the book of Romans in chapter 10 and verses 13 through 15. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? This is where, by the way, all of us come in. And then finally in verse 16, huh? Oh, that's it? Didn't I give you 16? Oh, okay. Anyway, it goes on to say, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. So if you want to have beautiful feet, you know, okay, be preachers. Of, you don't have to get, is it a pedicure? What do they call the feet? It's a pedicure, okay. So I don't have to pay you any money for, well, forget it anyway. It was, a, it was a dumb joke. Anyway, that's God's plan for evangelism right there. 
And then lastly, under this heading, in this one verse, we have the entire work of salvation listed. When the Ephesians believed, finally, and that brings us to our first point, they were sealed with the Holy Spirit. So there you have it. God's work of salvation in three parts, basically in a nutshell. Now that brings us to our second point, at least to our second point this morning, and that is, okay, so what is the significance of the sealing of the Holy Spirit? And there's a couple of things. First of all, let's, uh, let's consider the word sealing. The word sealing speaks of, uh, well, it speaks of a couple of things. First of all, it speaks of a finished transaction. I'm sure that all of us have heard the expression, the deal is sealed, right? You've probably heard that uh, term, terminology before. For example, even today, when important legal documents are processed, they are stamped with an official seal to signify the completion of the transaction. Usually, uh, the corporate seal is used. In fact, when we entered into you know, over the years, different lease agreements with, uh, like right here in this building. And when we signed the lease, uh, we do have a corporate seal that we use, and we had to uh, use that corporate seal. It, it was a part of the transaction that we made between us and IGS Realty, and they represent the, the building, the owner of the building, actually. He has his own real estate uh, company. But we had to use that corporate uh, seal. You see, Paul here, now think about this, employs terms that the Ephesians would be very familiar with. And by the way, this goes back to what I was suggesting to you just a moment ago. Make, when you share the gospel, make it relevant. Make it relevant to the person that you're addressing with the gospel. You know, bring it down to personal terms. You know, talk about like maybe some of the things that are going on in his life, how that Jesus is the answer and the solution to maybe some of life's problems that they may have been going, you know, something that's relatable. And, and did you notice that even Jesus said a wonderful example uh, for us to follow in the Gospels, many of the parables uh, that he shared. They, you know, the people in that day w could not actually bear the direct uh, teaching of the Scriptures. And so rather than employing that method to reach them, he told these interesting stories that are known as the parables. They, it, it, within the parables, within the stories that Jesus told were these spiritual truths. So that's a good way to reach people. Think. So make it re relevant. Make it relatable. When you have those opportunities, when God sets up those divine appointments, when he opens the doors and you step through, you know, make it something that's understandable, something that's relevant to the person that you're addressing. So anyway, Paul here, the idea of sealing again, now remember, employs terms that the Ephesians would be very familiar with. How's that? Well, remember Ephesus, remember in our introductory message two weeks ago, we talked about the city of Ephesus, and Ephesus was a great city of commerce. It was on the highway into Asia from Rome, and people from all over the world would come there to Ephesus to purchase and sell all different kinds of goods. And these goods were loaded into the hulls of ships to be transported. And they would be sealed with the mark of the purchaser. And basically, they would do that by pouring over the various commodities that they were either purchasing or selling or transporting with wax. And then their seal would be applied on that wax. 
and it, it, it identified them when the ship arrived at its final uh, destination. So that whole process, the wax uh, over the cargo, the seal, uh, and the person who owned those commodities would place his mark on the wax. And so that's another uh, way that we can think about this word seal. And then also, the seal not only uh, implies here uh, a finished transaction, but it also implies ownership. So we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. The idea is that you are God's. You are His. God has put His seal upon us because He has purchased us to be His own. And by the way, I might add, with a tremendous price. Remember in 1 Corinthians in chapter 6, in verses 19 through 20, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you are bought at a price. Think about the tremendous price that God paid His only begotten Son, dying in our place upon the cross. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God has purchased us. And how wonderful it is to know that we are owned by God. Amen? How cool is that? We're one of God's possessions. But then also next, uh, next, the sealing, the idea of the seal, also proves authenticity, that we are a child of God. Just as the signature on a letter attests to the genuineness of the document, so the presence of the Spirit proves the believer is genuine. I mean, think about it. After we give our lives to Christ and we're converted, we're born again of the Spirit of God, what a dramatic change has taken place within each and every one of us. We go through this dramatic transformation. Isn't that true? We're, we're quite different than what we once were, right? And, 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 and it's, I guess I know it's a part of a process. It's called sanctification, regeneration. You know, we've been set apart by God and God is regenerating us. His ultimate goal is to... Uh, uh, conform us into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. We're going to talk some about that because Paul raises that issue right here in this book of the, of the Bible and the book of Ephesians. We're going to talk about that. But it's a part of a, a continuing process. It began when we gave our lives to Christ upon our conversion experience, and it'll never end until Christ comes back for His church, until Christ comes and, and takes us home. Because the Bible tells us, and not before, the Bible tells us that when we see Him, not before, but when we see Him, all right, whether via the rapture of the church or, or we, di we die by natural causes and we're caught up before the throne of God, when we see him, we shall be as he is and not before. So it's an ever-ending process. And you've heard me use this illustration before. We might as well have a sign hung around our neck under construction. And it's true, right? We're all under construction. Whether you're a new Christian or the senior pastor of the church, it doesn't matter. We're all under construction. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. We are told there, If any man or woman have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So what's the issue there? Well, love. Remember, Jesus said that they would know that you're my disciples by your love one towards another. And being more like Christ. Again, this is God's design to conform us into the image of his Son. And that's the way we know the genuineness of a believer, by the way. You know, don't look over my shoulder and judge me, brother. You don't have to. You, men are known by their fruit, right? And you, you know, it, just how many times do we run into someone 
And, uh, you know, it's so obvious. I mean, uh, Clint and his wife. I mean, I met them for the first time on, on Thursday. I didn't even know that there was actually a Calvary Chapel in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I always just use that kind of like, you know, to make it kind of like a joke or whatever. Not that it's Oshkosh. Okay. <laughs> Those cheese heads over there. <laughs> but, uh, so, but how many times have we run into people, you know, uh, especially here in New York, who claim to be Christians, right? Who, who claim to have taken the name of Christ. And, uh, and so you engage them in conversation. Where do you, you know, when you're catching up, where do you fellowship? Or, you know, uh, we're part of the Calvary Chapel uh, fellowship. Uh, and where do you fellowship? We're Baptists or whatever. And, uh, and, you know, you just spend some time with them in their conversation. And, and, and immediately, because the things that come out of their mouth are actually a window into their hearts. Uh, and you really know whether they're the real deal or not. I mean, there are so many people who claim to be Christians today who have suggested that they take the name of Christ, but they're not in anything even remotely uh, should be considered as a Christian. I mean, it's amazing, but it's, unfortunately, it's very true. Although there are many people that are the real deal, right? But there are so many, at the same time, who are or not. But these are the real issues. Love and whether or not we're being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's our authenticity, right? They would know that you're my disciples by your, one, uh, by your love, one towards another. So, it is not simply our lip profession, our religious activity. I mean, we could be real busy doing things, you know, uh, spending some time at the, uh, you know, uh, the soup kitchens or volunteers for this group or that work or, you know... Uh, you know, you know, let me tell you something. You know, someone says, uh, you know, in comparison, and we're a small group in comparison to some of the larger churches here in Manhattan, no doubt. And, uh, and we're limited because of funds and different things and numbers of people. And, you know, we do the best that we can do with what we have. And, and uh, you know, we've never been negligent in doing the things that God has called us to do. Because all of the things that God has called us to do, he's always prepared and made a way for us to be able to do those things. But in comparisons, they'll say, uh, oh, you guys at Harvest, what do you, you know, so what's your church involved? What's, what, what are you guys all about? And, uh, you know, how many of you guys volunteers at the soup kitchen? And we, you know, there's been times where we do all of those different kinds of activities and evangelistic outreaches, and, and we've done all of those things, radio, ministry, and, you know, we've done it. But in comparison, you know what, we're, more than anything else, you know what we're known for? And I think that this is the most important thing anyway, is preaching the gospel. Isn't it true? Give them the gospel. I mean, above everything else. And you can do that without large buildings, and you can do it without large congregations, right? You can just equip the saints, you know, as Clint was mentioning before, and that's what's going on right now, to preach the gospel. And that's going to make a difference. What good does it do to feed someone in a soup kitchen and not be able to communicate the gospel to them? In my father's house there's a place for me in my father's house where I long to be. Oh, my heart. As we study the book of Ephesians together, we pray it has encouraged you to restore relationships. Unity can be such a hard task to accomplish, but as the Apostle Paul wrote, unity binds us together in Jesus. 
If there's someone in your life that you need to reach out to today, know we are praying both for you and for them. You've been listening to In My Father's House, and we're so glad you tuned in to hear today's teaching with Pastor Mike. To listen to today's message again, or to hear more from Pastor Mike, just search for In My Father's House on your favorite podcast platform, and be sure to subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram to keep up to date on our day-to-day happenings. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions to our easy access point at harvestnyc.org. We're also streaming each Sunday and Thursday evening so everyone has the chance to attend, even if you can't make it in person. If this broadcast has been an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? We'd love your prayerful support. And if you feel led, we're also thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that was harvestnyc.org. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening in today. Join us again next time for more, right here on In My Father's House.